All right, all right, all right. You're missing the point. Did IQs just drop sharply while I was away? Why don't we just send up 150 nuclear warheads and blast that rock apart? The last thing I need is another trigger-happy moron out here. Time's a luxury we don't have. Look, Nico, you want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for big conversation. Welcome to Christian Conspiracy Coalition, a place where the best minds in the conspiracy realm gather together to share and discuss their faith, Christianity, and the spiritual war thrust upon humanity. Here we are, back with more for 2024, where the new year brings new conversations, new battles, and new guests to the show. Joining the Coalition today, we have Heidi from the Unfiltered Rise podcast. Hello, how is everyone? We have Christopher and Jason from Operation Red Pill. How's it going? Hey, how you doing? And we have special guest, John Brisson of We've Read the Documents. Welcome, John. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Doing really well. Fans, I've been waiting to have you on this show, mate, because you're such a, a well-versed individual and so well-read on this particular topic that we're going to be covering today. And as a man of the faith, you're a perfect fit for this little group. All right, we're hitting this year off with some uncomfortable topics. But these are topics we need to have nonetheless. I don't know about you, but it seems like Children of our world are at an all-time high for targeted abuse, propaganda, and exploitation. The average person now seems to see these dangers that children encounter. Recent stories such as Epstein's client list and the tunnels beneath the Shabbat synagogue have brought this topic into the mainstream. Which takes my mind to Proverbs 31.8. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Now, this scripture doesn't simply speak to those without means or the poor. It also speaks to the innocence of children and our role in protecting them from the evils that exist in our world. This brings up today's topics for our conversation. First of all, child trafficking. Second, the indoctrination of children. And three, what's their end goal? Why the children? John, you're well-researched, just like I said. You've covered this topic so well on so many shows before. But would you like to start? What do you see happening in the world with regards to tra- tra- trafficking of children and the targeting of children. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, it was my, one of my primary focus of research, uh, which would be, I guess, institutionalized pedophilia without a lack of a better word and child trafficking of uh, the lead and government's involvement of it. Um, before I had actually become born again, it was my main, um, one of my main research topics outside the Council for National Policy, uh, studying the Finder's Code and, and the Franklin cover-up um, and Epstein um, and, you know, other uh, uh, kind of cases that fall under the quote-unquote satanic panic, uh, which was actually a good book written by um, Rossi Chet called The Witch Hunt Narrative, which is there's no conspiracy angle in the book. It's just pretty much straight facts of why most of the cases that got labeled as a satanic panic uh, by various authors uh, in the 1980s and 1990s, kind of like the, the ritual abuse daycare uh, cases, were at the bare minimum uh, in many of those cases, uh, tragically molestations had occurred. 
uh, and in grand, you know, grand maximum, like with uh, McMartin Preschool, for example, uh, that there were satanic rituals that had occurred at McMartin. Now, Rossi Chet doesn't really say that, but that's pretty much my position is that in majority of the cases, you know, it wasn't a mass panic that there were perpetrators involved that were um, committing acts of pedophilia. And in some of the uh, um, cases, uh, like uh, Country Walk, for example, and uh, Frank Fuster or McMartin Preschool, uh, that there were uh, satanic ritual abuse that was going on at the time. Okay, and it didn't stop. It it still continued uh, and still continues, sadly, to this day. Um, and, uh, you know, we see it now where I might, I don't know if I might be alone in this view though, is that I believe that it is being made blatant to the world, uh, through, um, Operation Underground Railroad, for example, and the Sound of Freedom, which, on Christmas, it was made free on Amazon Prime for, for people to watch. Now, I've done shows on my issues with Operation Underground Railroad uh, and my issues, um, you know, surrounding uh, the organization um, who I've been aware of, kind of like the Mormon connections and the and the, and the connections to uh, human trafficking and institutionalized pedophilia within the Mormon church um, that Tim Ballard and, you know, w- w- you know Operation Underground Railroad was for all intents and purposes, seem to be involved in that too as well. You know, they claim that they were fighting against human trafficking and child trafficking, but that doesn't seem to be the case. So, you know, people finally, you know, the Epstein stuff, we have the new Epstein releases. We have Pizzagate 2.0 with the Chabad tunnels and being tied into uh, Hillary Clinton and the Podestas by Dom Lucre that just had came out. Uh, uh, on Twitter, uh, and they have um, died suddenly, which I think it's the, I don't know if it's either Stu Peters or, or the crew behind Stu Peters are going to film a documentary with Dom Lucre going inside the tunnels. Okay. And I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't exist. I've spent a majority of my research career researching this stuff and trying to find out fact from fiction. Okay. But, however, I will say this it does appear. That and, and it kind of goes with the, the narrative of the Great Reset versus the Great Awakening and what Alice Bailey wrote in the Externalization of the Hierarchy, in that the world is being initiated into the crimes of the Heartlet, you know, the current Zionist Jesuit Masonic World Order. And in doing so, you know, they will become very angry at the Heartlet. And many people, sadly, tragically, will ally with the beast. And we know God's judgment comes against the harlot, which I think the harlot, you know, Mystery Babylon represented in the Bible is Jerusalem. Uh, you know, and there, I know other people may may believe that it's Rome. Kind of pushing CMP circles that it's New York City slash America. I don't think it fits. Rome, possibly, I lead more to Jerusalem. And in doing so, you know, that's the reason why this is becoming out there to the masses in a rate that makes 2016 and Pizzagate look like child's play. Okay, I mean, Tucker's reaching more people than ever on X than he 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 reached on Fox News. Okay, and so, you know, people will see what one side of the world order does as far as institutionalized pedophilia. But the other side of the world order, they're going to get off scot free. The ones that serve the beast, the ones that serve the Antichrist. And that's happening right now. We're, we're seeing it. I mean, Epstein will blow up. I do believe that 
Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton, um, Prince Andrew, they will eventually go down from this from this from the Epstein stuff. But Trump will not. Trump will come out scot free and look, you know, acting looking like he's had nothing to do with it. But there's tons of evidence that Trump was involved with Epstein. I, I mean, I did a two and a half hour presentation in, in 2019 categorizing the information, the claims that Katie Johnson had made that was buried by um, by uh, Gloria Allred's uh, daughter, Lisa Bloom, uh, who was also Harvey Weinstein's lawyer. She buried Johnson and the allegations that Johnson had made against Trump. So those never came to light during the 2016 presidential race. And Mark Epstein just came out, who was interviewed by Tucker, one last thing, where he was like, um, you know, there was a there was a, a, a interview that got released a week beforehand. I think it was put out by the New York Post, but I could be mistaken, where Mark Epstein said if the information came out during the 2016 election of both Clinton's involvement and Trump's involvement with Epstein, that neither one of them would have been eligible to, to run for president. OK, then Tucker interviews Mark Epstein. And in that interview, Mark Epstein says nothing about Trump at all. And Mark Epstein is even you know, he's flown on the Lead Express. He flew one time on the Lead Express with Trump. And not only that, okay, was there any mention that Mark Epstein had anything to do with the trafficking at all when he's guilty? Now, lesser probably than his brother, lesser probably than Glenn Maxwell, lesser probably than Les Wexner. But he was definitely involved. Does Tucker question him at all about any of his involvement in Epstein at all? Not. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay. So, again, you know, Tucker had Kevin Spacey, and Kevin Spacey was very much a part of the Epstein nexus, right? Does he ask Kevin Spacey? If if that was a real interview, if it wasn't artificial intelligence, a whole other discussion. But does he ask Kevin Spacey? Mm -mm, no, he platforms Kevin Spacey, and Kevin Spacey says all the allegations against him are fake news to Tucker. So this is where we're at. It, th those, I believe, who serve the beast, for the most part, some of them might be sacrificed. You know, they're going to come out looking at the light side of the world order, as Alice Bailey says, the Great White Lodge. And, you know, they won't go down. But the Black Lodge, the current world order and its cronies, I think the Clintons are going to probably be a prime example of that. They will go down. Uh, and, and then, you know, and so people are finally now, again, conspiracy have become mainstream. People are finally under, learning about this stuff. That I knew from 2009 that when my dad was still living would tell me in 2002, 2003, when I was 17 years old. So, you know, now it's okay to talk about. Now people are talking about it in mass when it used not to be able to be okay to talk about that. Everybody would look at you and be like, what are you talking about? That most of the elite are pedophiles. You're crazy. But now it's almost mainstream. Most people, you know, there's still people that obviously are like, oh, it's either the conservatives or it's the demon rats. You know, like people are still trapped in the left right paradigm. Right. But they'll at least say the other side. It looks like they are. OK, or even back in the day, most people wouldn't even say that about the other side. OK, so that's how far we've come and how far it looks like we're going to continue to go at a very rapid pace. Yeah, I'd love to get everyone else's thoughts on this, but you just blew my mind up. John, because I've been having these thoughts as well. It seems like it's being pushed through the media for for a purpose, very manufactured, has an intended um, psychological impact on the broader majority of people. Like you said, people have been whispering and talking about this stuff on back channels 
since before 2000, you were considered a, a, a nutter or a conspiracy theorist, but now it's okay to talk about. It's almost like the Hegelian dialectic, where problem, reaction, solution, and the solution might be some kind of authoritarian um, government which will come in and take all these bad players out but supplant it with something that's probably far more worse and nefarious. Yep. And it's it's quite interesting that... This is such a big topic around dinner tables of the average normie or the average family table now about child trafficking and how your children are in danger, where as far back as the 80s and 90s, the only real concerns were be home before the streetlights come on, um, stay away from strangers in white vans. It was the stereotypical tropes of what um, predators were. But now they're yeah. openly saying, oh, it's the elites, it's the banksters, it's the politicians, of which if you ever pointed to those people in the past, people tended to disappear, but now it's okay. Yes, yeah, it's, I 100% it, agree. Yeah, it, it's interesting because one of the things that we talk about on our show is the, the satanic control matrix and the false reality overlay. And it's how the, the forces of darkness portray this version of the world that they want you to believe, right? That, that it is safe, there's nothing going on, there's nothing to see here, the elites aren't involved in anything, you know, nefarious, and if that facade is being pulled back, it's being pulled back for a purpose, you know, just like you're saying. And it's interesting listening to a bunch of other uh, conspiracy podcasts that uh, on one hand, we kind of um, vilify Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. You know, he even wrote COVID-19 and the Great Reset, right? And everyone's like, oh, the Great Reset is this, this horrible evil. But then everyone on the other side is going, well, we need a reset over here. And from the outside of that, I'm like, it's dangerous when, when the polar opposites of this, this issue are all calling for a great reset. Because then it seems that the field is primed for whatever this reset is that's presented. Like you said, Drew, the Hegelian dialectic. Whatever it is, everybody's going to go for it. Because no matter what side you are on this thing, they're, they're all calling for a reset. And that yeah. seems kind of scary to me. But we're, we're primed for it, for sure. Well, when they need a hero, we'll present with, them with one. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, this year came in with a lot of revelation of the method, right? Because we're seeing them all in the Nephilim, right? I mean, we're seeing all of this Jewish stuff that ties into everything that's been going on. And then the list came out and it's probably total BS. And like all of this stuff is just nailing people all at once. And what are they doing? They're doing nothing. Same thing with when the aliens came out, like nobody cared. And so I'm just like watching the world. And then that movie came out. And, and everything is revelation, revelation, revelation. And then all I can see is the Bible and what's going to happen, right? It says there'll be a great deception, right? <laughs> that yeah. everyone will fall for. And all I'm doing is like getting my popcorn, right? Because what? <laughs> and talking to you guys. <laughs> and that's all. So, yeah, I don't know. John, I yeah. think you're spot on, though. And, and I love the way that you presented the fact that what I think a lot of people fall victim to is the idea that my side's okay, the other side is wrong. And I've had a huge issue with people that have actually been promoting that type of rhetoric. You know, I, I can see, especially here in the States, I can see those Democrats doing that, but you know, the Republicans are safe. Yep. This, is, this is God's platform. We're good. I'm like, no, no, it doesn't work like that. It, there's a, there's, there's a reason why we're getting the type of, 
attention being put on this, this hyenas behavior, but it's not relegated to just one side of the aisle. This is happening never, across no, both no. sides. And I, I think people really have to come to that awareness. You know, it's one thing to look over the fence and be like, okay, those people are bad, but no, no, no. You like, you got some bad people right here next door to you might even be in your own house. And yeah. until people, I think really get that, that, awareness and that mindset happening they're they're primed to be deceived to think that it's not happening here well there are two sides of the same coin and and what was one of the main reasons why jesus was crucified because they wanted a king they were so searching for a king and they had a king and what did they do to it you know they they totally didn't care and let the other guy out of jail i mean like let's do that right uh, it, it it's all about them searching for a king. And what does the Bible say? Let Caesar have what is Caesar's political stuff. Unless you're doing it. I research it both sides because I need to for stuff like this, but I abstain from all of that because I'm yeah. Christ's kingdom. I'm not for this world. I don't care about that. They're going to do what they want. Nobody makes it into that position. Nobody makes that much money. If you've made over $500,000 in your lifetime, you probably owe somebody something very serious. None of this stuff is unless it was gifted to you. Like, I mean, there's deaths and stuff, but you get where I'm going with it, especially in business, right? It's all a mobster's paradise. It's just what mobster do you want to follow at this point? I think they were really masterful so. too over the past three years that COVID was an experiment in so many different areas. But what's coming to light now, I think is that people were locked in their houses for two and a half to three years. They had time to go down rabbit holes, research all this yep. stuff. They saw that Epstein's client list didn't come out for any of that time. It finally comes up out now. They almost drove people into camps, put them into little armies to bring around a reset. Just not the one that they're scaring people with. They're scaring people with a New World Order, Klaus Schwab, you'll eat the bugs and leave them pods reset. But really, they're building an army to bring about their own reset, which is probably yep. the goal all along. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you, everybody's right. I mean, that's the thing is, is it's sad to see other fellow Christians just not see it because instead of putting their faith truly in God, the father and Jesus Christ, instead they're putting their faith in Trump or the conservatives or the Republican right. Party. And I'm like, yeah. why, why, why these people don't represent you? Like, for example, Tucker Carlson, how many Christians idolize Tucker Carlson and think he's telling them the truth when Tucker Carlson has said things like, oh, don't worry about gay marriage. Oh, that, that's already been decided. Don't worry about that. No, 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 no. We need to focus on the transsexual and the transsexual agenda. Don't worry about gay marriage. That's already done. Okay. And so like Tucker does he wears his Kabbalah bracelet. He doesn't represent us. They're not gonna fool me by saying he's converting to Christianity. That's a load of bollocks. And the thing is, is like he doesn't represent Christian values or Christian morals. He never has and never will. So everything he says, like, you know, he flunked out of the CIA, Anderson Vanderbilt, Anderson Cooper flunked out of the cia they're both mockingbirds that's what they do so we're told you know by the conservatives you know don't worry about abortion don't worry about you know trump saying that you know he's like you know don't don't worry about homosexual marriage is, is being sinful you know um don't worry about any of this stuff you know and Focus on Trump getting elected and being put as as the president. Vote, vote, and vote. Like voting ever solved anything. Okay, so they want you mm -hmm. focused on the world, so you're not focused on Jesus. So you're not focused yes. on the kingdom. And 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 it's sad to see it because you try to talk to Christians that are trapped in that mindset, 
and they get angry. They get upset at you. They're they like, really wait, do. wait, we're supposed they to be do. team Jesus. We're not supposed to <laughs> be crazy. team, you know, conservative or Republican or whatever, you know, right. but that, but they, they, they don't, it's like cognitive dissonance. They're like, wait, because I get that all the time. What? You don't like Trump. You like Biden. Wait, you're not even saved, are you? And I'm like, well, I don't like either one of them. Uh, I'm considering You're not myself allowed to have as... that option. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you no, no. be stuck in a, in a diagram. We can have options now? No, no. You can't think for yourself. You can't be option three. I love the I don't like either one of them. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't know we could yeah. think for ourselves for a minute. Who told you you could do that? No, they hate they're that. They hate selected. that, Jason. They're all selected, they not elected. All of them. And so I think it's hilarious that people actually believe that that there's any other way, right? Like, they're going to do what they're going to do because they're going to do it. And granted, we can't have control over what they do, but we can have control over us. We can bind together. Mm-hmm. We can shout from the mountaintops. What the heck are we supposed to be doing, right? That's what, why I do it. I didn't want to do this. God said I would do this, and that's what happened. And here I am in a place that I didn't think I'd ever be. So sometimes that happens. Yeah. Yeah. You don't plan this, especially you're probably getting flash. You know, you're probably getting it right back at you because you're like me. You won't choose a side. And I'm the same. Oh, they hate when you won't choose a side. No no one. I mean, it's sad because you're like arguing to Christians. You're like, we choose Jesus. And they're like, no, 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 no. But Trump. And it's like. You're still voting for lesser of the two evils is still evil, right? It's really not that hard to figure that out. Maybe you if know, they rebranded right. him as Orange Jesus, they'd get a bit more traction. Well, some oh, of yes. them believe he's Orange Jesus, okay? That's, That's a whole other discussion if he's the Antichrist yeah. or not. Like, some people legitimately believe that Trump <clears throat> is, like, the Messiah and going to save him. And some, like, the newest Brandon Dilly meme, did you guys see that? The the newest one mm-hmm. that came out? That Trump no. posted to his true, top of his true social? It literally said in there that tr- Trump is the shepherd and he will never leave or forsake mm-hmm. you. It says that in wow. there. And this, you have you know, Christians and conservatives being like, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, that's blasphemy. Except in Maine. Now, granted, yeah. there, were some, there were some Christians on Twitter that was like, that's blasphemy. And I'm like, yes. you're finally realizing it? <laughs> Trump's been blaspheming Jesus for a long time now. There's so many elements and things about his name and there's like some definitions with his name and some different things. And I've seen them. I just did a show with somebody on this. It'll be out tomorrow. And I'm telling you, like, it's probably true, but it sounds insane. And and trying to get people to listen to it. I've sent it to a few different people. And the only one that bit, guess who bit? Uh, A Freemason. That's not probably christian i don't know if they're christian no they're not <laughs> and i was like i'm like i know they believe in a higher power right but that's it like and i'm sitting there going what like i'm i'm vouching for this situation and i finally did get it out there to a christian but i i just because i told him and he said i'm not doing it on that show <laughs> i said well it's out there then you got to remember your platform isn't everything your voice of your message is right like take mm-hmm. Take your message and get it out. That's all I care about. I'll do a show. Oh, well, I'm doing one with a ex-Satanist next week. <laughs> but I don't care as long as the message is there, right? Like, we all have to be brave enough to start talking to your neighbors, start talking. It sounds like John's been doing that. I know I've been doing that. I'm sure you guys have been doing that. But Christians are afraid. And 2020 was exactly what made them that. No more talking to your neighbors, no more smiling at the grocery store, no more having conversations in the line. 
they don't want you doing that. That's not about that Jesus. About. You can't. They were fighting about conspiracies, a, but not about Jesus. Exactly. Right, and that's because you you can't have a superficial belief system. That's the thing that I find we're running into a lot with modern day Christianity. I mean, if you tell them the amount of evil that goes on, they look completely shocked. And I'm mm-hmm. like, why? If if the whole part of your belief system is that there is good and evil, and you're fighting against evil, why are you shocked when we would tell you that there's evil going on? Why it's does like it blow your uh, mind? I mean, I can understand your mind being blown yeah. at the degree of evil, but it seems right. as though their mind is oftentimes just peeled back at the fact that there's evil. You know, if we're talking about children literally being trafficked <laughs> and being raped and being sacrificed, like, what world are you on? Uh, the real world. Yep. Where have you been? But Jason, this yeah. is the that part parable, that, yeah. This is the part the, the that worries of, me about oh, sorry, this. Go sorry, this is the part of the whole conversation around child trafficking that really worries me because... They've turned a micro issue into a macro issue. They've made it through the intentional spreading of it on the media and pushing it really hard. They've made it look like a worldwide, huge, massive problem that's happening in every elite person's house, which it very well could be. But that, I feel I feel that's the fear side of things. They're really pushing the yep. fear around it to get that result. When in reality, we know kids out there are being abused. I think there's it was a number of nearly half a million children in America disappear each year. But they neglect to go to the facts of that. Most of those children are found within the first 24 hours. And most and abuse they, happens in the, it happens in the, in the household. Exactly. And the ones that are genuine abuse cases, children that are really trafficked and really taken out, is such a small number. But that's a good thing because we can do something about that. When it's at a micro level, we have the ability as a community and Christians to do something about that. When it's something that the elites and the cabal are controlling, it puts you in a place where you're very low on the totem pole and you can't actually do anything to stop that. That is true. Mm. But but those who... A lot of people get upset at you saying that, Drew. A lot of people get very upset at you saying that. Those who are first will be last, and those who are last will be first. And people have to start living by their Bible. Like, we all know we're going to suffer. We all know we're last on the totem pole. We all know this stuff, but nobody wants to go through it. And trust me, I don't want to either. I don't like it. But like, it's coming for us, every single one of us that believe and and will not take the mark and will stand up. We're all in for a hard ride. And people want to think, I see a lot of gnosis in the modern Christianity and it, it it's not what it's not what it is. Like it's all, everything's an interpretation and everything's, and I came out of that because I was a Mormon for so long and I just refuse. I'm like, no, that's the Bible. That's what it says. That's what it means. Right. Like, I don't know. It's interesting, Drew, that you brought up the the way that you explained it, that we think that it's outside of our ability to do anything about, because it seems to be a, a consistent narrative. Like the, the Bible itself tells us, you know, if we see somebody without a coat, or without clothes to give them ours. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Jesus was a, a socialist. He's like, no, he said, you do it, not you tell another institution to, to feed and, and clothe people. So it's interesting that on, on several tiers, we see that there is this personal responsibility that's kind of being um, stripped away from even the Christian perspective. And then, you know, that extra layer that says, even if you try to do something about it, this is too great of an issue. You know, there's nothing that you can do. It's crazy because there's there's so much that we can do. There's so much that God has empowered us to do. And the ways that we can impact our communities is is amazing. We just have to actually do it and not trust, like you were saying, John, the next politician, the next whatever that's going to come in and save everybody. It's it's our job. 
Yeah, it sets people up to expect someone else is coming to save you. The right. only person right. that is going to save you is you and your relationship with Christ. And it's really big and prominent when, and like John mentioned, the idea of Trump being the savior or the Messiah in this whole thing, the Q whole movement is like a rewashing or rehashing of scriptural doctrine. There's so many elements of it, which appear to be a religion. There's a Messiah. There's a John F. Kennedy, which is going to return from the dead. There's all these elements in there that make it so fantastical. I think it hooks people in who do have this fear of, this is a problem that's so big, it's too big for me to tackle, which it's not. You have to think about it in the, the micro level. <laughs> if you know there's a person down the street who's abusing a kid, what do you do about it? You report it to the police and you deal with it. You can deal with things at a community-based level on a level of yourself as a person and a community member. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about how about if you donate clothes to, okay, here the DI is a big thing because it's Mormon ran and I live in Utah, but... Instead of doing that lately, I've noticed little kids in my neighborhood that are about the size down from my kids or whatever, and just talk to the parents and say, you know what? I have a whole bunch of clothes. Do you want them? I have something that you might need. Let's go back to that. Like people used to do that all the time. You know, we've just stopped. We don't talk to our neighbors. A lot of people don't even know their neighbors. You know, I'm not saying everyone. I'm just in general. I'm generalizing here. No, no, you're right, Heidi. I mean. COVID did that to us as well, too. But I also saw it was kind of weird. So, like, COVID did also get neighbors talking for the first time, too. But it didn't get them to help each other. It got them to talk about conspiracy theories and things that are going on in the world. <laughs> That's so true. It was like, it was like that <laughs> was true. the intended yeah. purpose, right? You know, is oh, I lost my job because I had to get vaxxed and I didn't want to get vaxxed, right? You know, yeah. and so you start, or I took the vaccine and I don't feel well. What's up with that? You know, and so you had mm. actually neighbors talking about that, you know, during the lockdowns that Trump put us in initially, right? 45 days to stop right. the spread, right? And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you know, I mean, it, 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 that it's like they all have an amnesia with that warp speed business. It's like everybody oh, just MK ultra. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Trump, Trump, who literally still to this day is proud that he's the father of the vaccine. They yep. just memory hold that. Right. It's like you try to tell someone who's pro Trump or MAGA, which MAGA means witch in Latin, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you try to tell them something and, and they're just, just like, oh, uh, oh, well, he had to. Right. It was he didn't know right. any better. Right. It's like, well, it's been like. I don't know, like almost four years coming up, and he should have known better by now. Right? Well, he like, kept <laughs> Fauci in. He should have known better than that yeah. because of the AIDS crisis. I'm sorry to and say, he doesn't get a pass on that. He doesn't no, get a pass on that one. Yep. It's, and it's Fauci, he, everybody knew Fauci's game from from the 80s. Yeah. Like, don't play like you didn't know. Let's be real now. And that comes yeah. back to the whole idea of sit back, enjoy the show, trust the plan. Those little mantras which they throw around a pantomount to. All it's needed for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing because they're sitting back and they're watching it happen, expecting someone bigger is going to come along to save them. Like mm-hmm. I said, save yourself, do things that you know in your heart that the Holy Spirit guides you in doing and do it. There's no need to wait around for someone. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not inciting violence by any means or any kind of way, but there are things you can do in your communities that can stop the evils that are in the world. And they can be as small things like Heidi said, Offering a family who is less fortunate, hand me down close. Because who knows what's going to kind of come out of that family's stress and their worries. Is someone going to be driven to drugs or to alcohol or to theft to try and get through their family for the next pay yes. week? Yep. There's things that we can do well, as Christian a Christian charity used to be it. like that. 
it used to be like that. It's not, it's, it's, it's dwindling, especially post COVID. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it took a huge, like there used to be a church around here, uh, that would stand out in the street and give the gospel and feed people. But during the COVID pandemic that got halted, <laughs> you know? And so you, it, it, it ends up being that way, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, Drew, you mentioned earlier, I, I think it was you, um, the Great Reset through the World Economic Forum, and Klaus Schwab pretty much looks like a, a Bond villain. And most people don't know that the uh, Satan has the World Future Society, which has put futurism through science fiction, uh, you know, since the inception of World Future Society in the 1960s. I mean, most of the famous world uh, science fiction authors, whether it's Ray Bradbury or Gene Roddenberry of Star Trek or Stanley Kubrick or um, Isaac Asimov um or you know any of them you know they were world future society members so they primed people for futurism and transhumanism and most people don't know have ever never heard of the world future society i've never heard that you know klaus schwab's mentor was world future society member herman kahn and and, and so they're, they're ready to to strike out against the world economic forum which i'm not excusing the, the the evils of the world economic forum or the current world order okay i mean the bible talks about the saints who will rejoice when Mystery Babylon is fallen, right? We're going to rejoice when the heartlet is destroyed. We're just not going to yoke up with the beast, okay? Which is what the rest of the world is going to do because it's like you have someone with a boot on your neck and you can't breathe, and then someone comes around and takes that boot off your neck, and you're like, oh, thanks, I can finally breathe. But to us Christians, that's the Antichrist, and then he's going to put his boot on our neck, okay? Mm -hmm. And so that's what's setting up in <laughs> most of the world because— you know, they want they don't they want a Messiah other than Jesus Christ, the only one and the one that, you know, that's already come and will come again. And because the love of the many will grow cold, which we're seeing that in the world now and God's grand delusions being poured upon the world. OK, you know, they will want the Antichrist. They're calling out for the Antichrist. And I don't think the Great Reset's over. I think it's going to get much worse. I don't know what's going to happen to make it get much worse, but I think it is. And it's going to get to a point where the Antichrist shows up because in conspiracy culture, something I want to discuss with you all. In conspiracy culture, we were primed to think that the the beast system, that Satan's, you know, satanic system was going to be completely totalitarian. There's no freedom or libertinism or anything like that, okay? Now, I do believe it's going to be like that for the Christians that don't take the, the mark of the beast, obviously, okay? Like, I do think that is going to happen, don't get me wrong. But I think the, the Antichrist, and I could be wrong about this. It's a theory that, that I have, and other, you know, uh, born-again Christians have too, like probably Alexandria or John from E511 Ministries, you know, that, uh, or Dr. June Knight, that... Um, the Antichrist or the beast system to the rest of the world, it's going to Satan's going to offer them everything. Oh, you you want we have secret hidden technology. You want to be cured. Here you go. Oh, you want infinite amount of money to do whatever your little wicked heart desires. Oh, here you go. Um, I, I think that's how it's going to be sell, sold to the world and the world, because the heart is wicked, obviously, they're going to take it because they're going to be like, oh, this is so horrible. I can't survive. But now I can have everything I've ever wanted and more. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is what and those I communities talk about. Coming. This is what those communities talk about. When they talk about their great reset and defeating the cabal, they often go to all the positives that are going to come out of it. Med beds that can cure cancer and all known diseases. You're going to have free energy, which is going to make um, the petro-industrial yep. complex 
fall out overnight. All these positive things are going to uplift us and make us a better human race. To me, that just sounds like pure Luciferianism. The idea yes, of knowledge, yes. power through knowledge, longevity through knowledge, and not mm-hmm. through through Christ and your relationship with Christ. It's well, pushing that quote, the, the, yeah. Sorry, go for the it, quote that says, "You Americans are so gullible. No, you won't accept communism outright, but we'll keep feeding you small doses of socialism until you finally wake up and you'll find communism is already here. We won't have to fight you. We'll so weaken your economy until you fall like overripe fruit right into our hands." I mean. It's right there. Like they've said this forever, you know, and it's a very well-known quote. And I'm just like, it doesn't, how come it doesn't compute, right? We're all sitting here knowing the same things. We're all sitting here watching them do this. And, yeah, and I think yet, scripture points to that though, Heidi, with the fact that there's a veil that's over people's <laughs> eyes where they just really it, cannot it see. It has to be. And that deception <laughs> it, continues so to go. bad. You know, not to mention yeah. the things that they're doing to 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 biohack the mind, the dumbing down that's happening, the you know the fluoride, the things that are happening to our cognitive capabilities. All of that is playing into this blinding of the eyes. That really, it takes the Holy Spirit to undo that whole veil so that people can really see. Amen. And a lot of people, unfortunately, don't even mm-hmm. want to see. It's one thing to have your capacity yeah. reduced; it's, it's another it's thing true. to have your will changed. And to get out of this whole idea, to come out of this satanic control matrix, to have that false reality overlay broken and shattered, a lot of people are way more comfortable with just staying where they're at. That quote is clear from 1956. Khrushchev, Nikita Khrushchev said that clear in 1956. And Paul Mm -hmm. Harvey had another whole big long speech about it everybody's heard Mm -hmm. it and like you said Mm -hmm. it's got to be blinders because i go through this with my own family and i don't know about you guys but sometimes i just want to bash my head against the wall like it feels like that would work better i normally want to (laughs) bash their head against the wall (laughs) normally i'm like it's not that difficult to get i'll tell you what sometimes it doesn't feel like a veil it feels like they're walking around welding masks on the big shield it's completely (laughs) black yes drew yes Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. The one that they can never take off, like on that show. What is it? This is the way. Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, you're talking about uh, Mandalorian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ha- I'm like, but, it, but again, they, we have to realize, take it we, off? Have, we have to realize too that there were some of us, like myself, who was a Gnostic New Age or heathen, uh, who became born again in 2019. I used to feel, I used to be that way too. And then, you know, it was about a, a year process where I was like, you know, quite, you know, the, it was starting to, like the mask was starting to come off in parts, right? And I fought God the whole way. I was like, nah, nah, you know, there'd be times <laughs> right. where I'd wrestle with it. It's like, what, the propagation of the Nakamati Library Squirrels was UNESCO right. and Rockefeller, Elaine Pagels was a Rockefeller scholar. Like, I remember I was in my bedroom being like, well, how did I miss that? You know, and so, you know, and so again, but it was pride. It was me saying, my understanding is greater than yours, God. And the moment I humbled myself and said, no, no, no. I believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. You know, I rely on your understanding now, God, forever. You know, I won't, you know, yes. you know, lay on my own gnosis. You know, that was the moment that I became saved, the moment that I had repented and believed, you know, Jesus Christ was Messiah uh, completely. Uh, you know, and so, you know, but for a lot of people, either because Praise of God, sin John. or because of pride or many, you know, many other reasons, um, you know, they just won't. It just won't it won't happen. It just does not connect until a person humbles himself because God accepts a broken, contrite heart as a sacrifice. Okay. And most people don't reach that, you know, 
far and far down. They don't fall that far down for that to happen because they're still prideful. And they ultimately, it's that pride. You know, I would say, I heard Adrian Rogers say this one time, and I agree with him. Pride is a singular sin that's damned the most people to hell because they just won't accept Jesus Christ and the Messiah because they're too prideful. John, that is a perfect segue into our next topic. Our next topic heavily revolves around education and information, knowledge versus wisdom. Uh, And I think this piece of scripture sets the tone really well. Proverbs 29, 26, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks with wisdom will be delivered. And this is the idea a lot of Gnostics go through. They they put upon their own understanding and knowledge of how the world and the universe works as being the prevailing um, omnipresent idea of God and they are God. If you understand everything, you've, you've mastered the game, essentially. That's what they kind of come to. But mm-hmm. there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the information and wisdom is how to wield it. So this brings us into what... Um, Heidi alluded to quite earlier, is that slow mission creep of what's been happening in the West of the implementation of socialism in a end-term goal of communism. It's this idea of indoctrination through the children. How do you change a society through education, through mass media, through entertainment to get to this point? When they did the last reset, who was it that they left untouched in America? They put them on a bunch of orphan trains. They put them on a bunch. They they adopted them out. But where were the parents, right? All of them were in insane asylums, different things like this, because they didn't go with the plan. We know that it happens this way. We know that they did this with native people, especially because why? Because they do oral tradition. So they're extremely dangerous because they can't burn their books. So they definitely have to get to them or kill them. So immediately you think, okay, I get it. Like, yeah, they're going to do this to the kids first because they can trick them like into any history that they want to present. And, and to- completely they do. Like I have one kid that's still in public school cause he's in high school, but my daughter gets none of this. And my son comes home with some crazy stuff and I'm just like, okay, sit down. We're about to have a talk. And, and that's all you can do, right? Like what, what else can you do in your own, your own world? Right. I agree. I I, I agree with Heidi on that and that (laughs) it starts with us at our homes first and for first and foremost, it starts there. Um, I'm not saying that every parent is able to homeschool their child. Um, I I understand that I myself teach at a Christian school. I teach science from a creationist perspective uh, to middle schoolers and high schoolers. I get it. Um, in most states, there are voucher programs that allow mm-hmm. uh, most kids to be able to attend a Christian school. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, they're as good as homeschooling. OK, like I'm not saying even if I te- teach at one, but it's better than public school in most in most cases. You can vet, you know, most of the Christian schools that are around you in the United States and try to find one that that's, you know, good for your children compared to sending them to a secular school. But even if you have to send your kid to a secular school, um, uh, you know, again, it starts at home because the whole mount, the seven mountains mandate that you see with the new apostolic reformation. Now, we got to take back the spheres of education and media back. It's extremely new age and Gnostic in that belief of Christendom. All right. And so, you know, it starts becoming problematic because every time I for the most part. 
when I've heard a dominionist talk, it sounds like they want to build a utopia. And you know where I hear who wants to build a utopia is the New Agers. Mm -hmm. They sound very similar to each other, too, as well. And you, Heidi, as an ex-Mormon, that should sound very similar speak to you as well. Okay. That's why I pulled my little ones out. Yes. (laughs) So it, it starts with the home. It starts with us, you know, praying with our families. It starts with us reading God's word frequently with our families. And it starts with us living like Christ. And then from there, then you could start making changes. You know, you could start trying to go to school board meetings and make changes at the school to the best of your ability. You know, there's things that we can accomplish. Now, granted, a lot of those school boards meetings got infiltrated by both FBI agents in the United States and by Council for National Policy members, too, trying to steer it for their own, you know, belief systems of kind of like Fabian socialism, not necessarily Christian conservatism. Okay, even though they appear like they are, but they're not. All right. So, you know, I think it starts within the home and then we go out from that. And I think anytime it's the inverse, I think in most cases, that's what man's own wicked heart wants. And that's what Satan wants us to be focused on is instead of, you know, ourselves and our families immediately, our neighbors around us, our communities, our churches. No, we have to fight the seven mountains. We have to take the government. The government has to be the one to mandate this. That's an issue, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, I would agree for sure. I mean, because the you know the Bible teaches that it's it's us that needs to change, right? It's it's our selfish desires, like you were saying, pride. And then once that once that gets resolved, then that can pour from the individual into the home. And then once the home gets filled and changed by the power of Jesus Christ, then it can pour from the home to the Amen. to the neighborhood and so on and so forth. I mean, because this is essentially what we saw from the time of Jesus' resurrection in what, a matter of 350 years? There was enough Christians, even though it was illegal to be a Christian, that now Rome had to consider this illegal um, uh, cult, the followers of the way, right? These Christian people now are a force to be reckoned with. Not because they had a seven mountain mandate, not because they're trying to reform Rome, because they were moving on the individual level, the the power of Jesus Christ. And and it's incredible. And for me, I'm a public school teacher and of a traditionalist kind of background. So it's always interesting for me having conversations with people who are more freedom orientated, what you might say are right wing. The first thing they point out is, uh, public schools are indoctrination camps. There's mandated curriculums and there's things that government shouldn't put their nose in. Wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. But their answer is always, we need to have a right-wing government to come in and mandate this, this, yeah. and this. <laughs> What's the, you've realized you've just fallen for the, the, the exact same argument, haven't you? It's, you don't trust the current government that's doing it. Why would you trust another government to come in and do the exact same thing? What kinds of things will be pushed then? How hard would they go on things? If you're an absolutist on no government intervention, that means no government intervention. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I think there's a balance in everything too. I think that you're right. Like we can't get it like the traditional way. I'm not against like my son really wanted that high school experience and sports and all that stuff. And I get it. And so, you know, I, I'm hoping and so far it's been okay because I've raised him up, right? Like we're supposed to Mm -hmm. raise our Mm -hmm. children. So he, he sees a lot and he'll come and talk to me, but also like at that point, He's in high school. I mean, like at that point, my grandpa used to say after 15, you just, 
you just know they're going to do what they're going to do anyways. And you just have to hold on. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, was, not untrue. Yeah. There's and some so, truth to that. I mean, once they reach that, once they reach a certain age, there's only so much yeah. you've, I mean, they're supposed to listen to you, honor your father and your mother, but once they reach, no, a, especially the age yeah. of 18, you hope you raise them right. <laughs> yeah. As she could, you hope God works. Exactly. On them, once they reach that point. Oh my gosh. Know, it's all gone there's crazy. Yeah. But we, we don't give up and we, you know, I think that you can counteract a lot of that without taking that away because I didn't want to do that to my son because he begged me. I mean, he was just like, mom, like, dude, come on, dude, bro, mom. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I get it. But like, he's like, mom, girls. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I know. And so, you know, you have to kind of compromise too, but it depends on the kid, right? Like. If you've got mm -hmm. one that's really like my little one, she's only nine, almost 10, and she has severe ADHD. She has a 504. Speaking of which, if you have that and you're in Utah, I don't know about everywhere, they have um, these scholarships you can apply for that you can receive up to $10,000 for your child's education. And of course, you have to jump through hoops because they want to make sure people aren't like going to Disneyland. I mean, of course, but mm -hmm. hey, I'm down for some hoops. You know, like it was way better than what was happening to her in school. And all she was doing was just wanting, she came home. The last straw was she came home and harmed herself at school. I'm a mental health nurse. And the teacher just was like, well, she was just frustrated. And then when I heard the real story of how she wouldn't help her tie her shoes, like, okay, lady, like, that's enough. Like, really? You're going to frustrate this kid that's already got like a deck stacked against her. Like, we're worried about the shoes. Like, I can buy shoelaces yeah. that are different if you talk to me, you know, but they don't all the time. And that doesn't mean I haven't had some really amazing teachers in the school. Like the, the year before, her teacher was amazing. So it's all personalities and conflict and whatever, but there are ways out there to help. And I'm pretty sure that probably goes throughout different states in different ways. So I really urge parents to look into that. If you do want to search out something different, like how he was saying, like not every parent can do that or afford that, or like even Christian schools or whatever, sometimes not always there is a way. So hopefully that helps somebody out there. Yeah. They handed out like candy in Australia so much to the point that it doesn't go directly to families though. It goes to the <laughs> public school they attend. So they get funding. Oh. But so many people applied for it, it kind of put the government in a deficit in that social assistance mm. area, and they kind of banned it. <laughs> That's, That's enough sad. of that. <laughs> oh, boy. But, you know, talking about how it how it starts in the home and how there's a, a balance, uh, I think also as a as a church, the, the mystic church, right, like the, the followers of Christ all over the world, um, in the 1920s, there was the fundamentalist movement, at least here in America, that taught that if it wasn't directly related to salvation, it was secular and Christians shouldn't have anything to do with it. So then you had Christians pulling out of media, pulling out of education and that type <laughs> of thing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that only five years later – in 1925, we get the Scopes trial that then made teaching creationism in public schools illegal, and then they had to teach evolutionism. Yeah. So, yes, it starts in the home, but there there is – like we are supposed to take it wherever we go, right? No, I agree. Not the seven mountain mandate, but it you know it's not supposed to stay inside the home because if we wouldn't have – if uh, America hadn't had suffered 
this strange idea that if it's not directly related to salvation, then we can't touch it, then we might have had more influence across the board today. Well, there was a destruction of intellectualism within Christianity around that time. I guess that's what you're getting at, too, uh, Chris, which yes. I would I would heavily agree with that, where yes. all of a sudden you've seen a resurgence of it now through Christian apologetics, but there was there was kind of like a, a cutoff of intellectualism within Christianity, uh, which was a major mm-hmm. mistake, major, major yep. mistake. Um, and so, I mean, as far as the Seven Mountains, it's just the government, the church body as a whole, either being government or combining with government to influence society completely. And that's my issue is kind of like a return to, uh, you know, a Catholic state, for lack of a better words. You know, they're trying to push, I guess, right. Calvinist version of it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, that's my issue would be, you know, that I agree with you that we're not supposed to only just stay in the home we are supposed to influence society as christians obviously um and i i I agree with you but i think that it gets lost in the christendom debate where the the christians that hold a christendom side are saying you know that they they want it to be government influence and that's the problem that that's where i'm like no yeah, I absolutely agree. The church should never be the government. That's not what it was intended to do. Because if you look, Paul talked about um, when he was writing to the Corinthians, there's the guy that was sleeping with his mother-in-law or whatever. And he's like, look, cast them out, kick them out of the church. You know, so, you know, and I think his terminology is turn them over to Satan. So at <laughs> least their souls will be saved. Well, my question is, if the church is the government, where are you kicking people out of? Like it, the the entire structure that God intended the 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 church the the new covenant people to be under was never intended to be a holistic governing force over a nation. Yeah, it just wasn't. And so when you try to force it into that, I think it you're turning it into something it was never intended to be. People have been led to believe that they are so much less than they are that they are so fearful to walk on their own and to decide things for their family and themselves that they are always looking for a leader or a king. They always want that reassurance that they are on the right path or whatever it is. And so many people are fearful to say, this is what I read. This is what the Bible says. This is how I'm going to do this. And what do they do instead? They look for you know, that pat on the back, that little, you know, we've really been led to believe we're not worthy. We don't know anything. We can't possibly know anything. You're not a teacher. You're not a doctor. What do you know about that shot? You're not a doctor. You don't know anything. Like, it's this way with everything. And I feel that they really pressure that in America. I don't know how it is for you, Drew. Is it the same there? They just want you to not know yourself, I feel. Essentially, and it comes back to what Christopher was talking about. Like, it's almost like the idea of the government had to intervene because creationists were teaching things that outs- that's outside the scope mm-hmm. of academia. I was the last generation of primary school age kids who had religious education in government schools. It was after second grade they got rid of it. It wasn't allowed in schools anymore. And I can't help but think that that was done intently to remove the aspect of the Holy Spirit 
moving through children and children finding a relationship with Christ that they wouldn't normally do within a non-secular, within a secular family. If they come from a non-denominational family, a family that doesn't actually have a faith. How many kids in the last two generations have lost that ability to find it at an early age? And it's nothing, it was nothing nefarious. It was a community leader, a low, a micro level thing. Someone from the community coming in, talking to children about Christ, what he lived and died for and spreading the word. It wasn't political. It wasn't done in a means to brainwash children in any fashion, but that's the way that the the mainstream government and the media have kind of made that out to be. And if you ever talk to someone today about, hey, maybe, you know, religious education in public schools would be a good thing. Oh, no, no, that's brainwashing. And it's, and I, ironically, they call it indoctrination. You're indoctrinating children. Have you seen the curriculum in a public school? Have you really but seen it? But it'd be it? okay if a Muslim, it'd be okay if a Muslim exactly. or a Jewish person did it, but a Christian, oh no, that's an issue. Yeah, no, that's, no, the, that's, no. The, that's the bad group. You can't have that group. That's terrible. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> but we indoctrinate them completely on Freemasonry and standing for the flag and doing all of that. Yep. Like, I, you know, my son, my son was the one I told you guys that story and he came to me and I didn't even pick up on that because I was so indoctrinated, but they took it away for a while, did, you know, in America, at least where I live. And then they brought it back full steam and it was very odd. I felt like they didn't do the pledge for a long time. And then all of a sudden they brought it back right before 2020, which I found very interesting because they need you patriotic. I'm not, I'm not non-patriotic of this uh, country. I'm grateful. I'm not one of those where they're like, go live in another country that, okay, I get it. But like, also you have to recognize just because something was founded on something doesn't mean it should always stay that way. You mean nothing can evolve. Yeah. I mean, then it's stagnant that that's like literally the worst thing you can be is stagnant. Then you're not smart anymore, but they don't want us smart. They don't want us educated. They don't want us progressing. They, They do that in other countries. You know, and, and that's just the way it is. I mean, what, what does everybody think of when you travel dumb Americans? Oh, look at those dumb Americans, you know, and, and it's a thing. And As a I non-American, think really, yes, that's yeah, definitely a thing. It's true. Yeah. I've traveled all over and people <laughs> constantly say to me when I go to like France or Italy, they're like, oh, you, you can't be American. You know, two languages. I'm like, is this like a prerequisite I, a checklist that I didn't know about? Are like, you what? sure you're not Canadian? Cause you could be Canadian. <laughs> I know. I'm like, what is happening? Actually, I am Canadian Aboriginal, but only 1%. (laughs) Because I super look it, I'm sure. That's funny. Yeah, I just think that 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 they've really put that onto us. Because if we were to do what we all do, and and many podcasters and research and do the work and uh, try to understand things on your own, and then bring in the Bible too, and understand it on a biblical realm like that that makes you very scary i'm sure we're all on a list somewhere definitely like <laughs> it's, I'm on it's a crazy list, that you say that because jason <laughs> pulled up he pulled up a video about was it the moon landing do you remember you when, when, uh, <laughs> operation red pill when we went on the the trip uh, and you were like here this guy's got some good content and i think it was about the moon landing and like 30, oh, maybe yeah. 45 minutes in, he has this, this like, um, this philosophic moment, this heart to heart or whatever with the people that are watching. And he's like, because we've evolved and evolution, 
uh, has evolved our our particular attributes and our senses for survival and not for scientific discovery. You can't really trust what your eyes see. And I'm like, what is this guy saying that I because if I look at the moon landing and it looks fake to me, I can't trust my own senses that I need to trust the Exa- yeah. quote unquote experts. You know, it's I'm real because like, it looks so fake. Right? <laughs> I'm like, this is really crazy. And then it's it, so it hit home. And I'm not throwing my because wife against survival of the fittest, though. I mean, it, right. I mean, to me, it's, it's contradictory of evolution at that point. That I, I guess he's saying we develop mechanisms where we it's this form of coping. I guess that we can see something and question something, but it's I, I don't know. To me, it just sounds silly. What's but. interesting because because from Christian apologetics, this was actually an argument against evolutionism. That I've heard several people say, well, if we're only here by this blind chance, right, Mm -hmm. um, evolution, and it was whoever was just able to survive, well, that doesn't necessarily give you a clear picture on reality. It just means that you're better fit to survive. So a bacteria could be better fit to survive than you are. So it doesn't. It, it, so if what you're saying is true, then we can't even believe what you're saying because there's no way of knowing if that is an accurate but human genetics are de- degrading, though. Like the whole, like not to go to apologetics, you know, like a, a creationist spiel here. But I mean, like it. None of it makes any sense to me when you when you when you hear you know people who believe in evolution, which it's it's myst it's mystic all in itself in its own origin or you know origins from Erasmus Darwin and and, and you know f- philosophy and Freemasonry and all that, but still nonetheless it's mm-hmm. like it's just it's just, I don't know this this is a mess. <laughs> no it's, it's a, <laughs> that's no, how we you're all feel absolutely right don't worry that, that's exactly how I felt when I watched this because I was like you took an argument that refutes your position. And used it to say, well, this is why you need to trust what we're saying. I was like, what? You you literally trust tried to have it both ways. <laughs> yeah, well, this, it's, this it's, is a good train of thought insane. then. Let's go around and let's pinpoint one indoctrination point within, say, education, media, politics, whatever our kids are being bombarded with, and, and break down why we think it's probably the worst. For me, in schools, particularly in, in my curriculum for my state, we used to have a descriptor that was critical and creative thinking. Well, after a space of two years, they took away the critical side of it, and it's just creative thinking. So my idea is that this indoctrination is actually the worst because it puts the state, the government, the classroom teacher as being the purveyor of all knowledge. They are the only person with the source of knowledge, whereas creative thinking and critical Mm. thinking, they go hand in hand because you're presented with multiple ideas, multiple philosophies, different ways of viewing things, and you come to your own conclusion. That is the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is just presented with information and doing what essentially you've been gifted or handed out to you. Wisdom is knowing how to discern, pull it apart and use it and come to a point of uh, a point within your own mind as to what makes sense and what actually fits within the world. I think that's been the the greatest indoctrination in education in the West. And the Bible is pretty clear that true wisdom comes from the Holy Spirit, right? Um, And, 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 you know, we see... um, Another thing I see, I guess, to play on what you said, Drew, because I agree with you on that, is they kind of destroyed uh, objectivism, with a, for lack of a better word, or critical thinking or logic or um, kind of like deductive reasoning. And they've kind of replaced it with subjectivism in, in, in that regard. But they've also uh, – and you see this with atheists. 
they kind of push um a very um hedonistic uh, observational worldview very much like thomas hobbes right in, in that um you you only know what your senses like your your touch you know taste you know uh hear um see feel like that's all you can know and you can't know anything else greater than that like that's the biggest argument i hear from very staunch atheists is very hobbesian worldview where i can't see god therefore god doesn't exist right you know like god's not directly in front of me therefore he doesn't exist okay and you see that pushed in gnostic worldview with the matrix and that you know the reality that we live in with lack of a better words this physical plane of existence doesn't exist it's all an illusion Okay, and then you push it further to even this, uh, which I see is happening a lot, you know, very sadly, tragically to the Gen Zers uh, more than us millennials. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Internet and the ghost in the machine, the AI, you know, being created by man. Therefore, it's fallen in that regard alone. And the satanic aspect in artificial intelligence as well, too, is it leads to you unless you've experienced something and even if you've experienced something it's gone that far where you don't even know if it's real okay but unless you've experienced something you have no idea if it's real or not okay kind of like a hyper hobbesian like worldview okay now it can go a problem when you go hyper you know metaphysical with with uh, Rene Descartes as Norman Geisler would say he pulled Descartes before the horse all right so you know you know Yes, you can, but that's what it leads with is you see it um, in the school system where kids are coming up to you, at least in, at least where I'm at. Even if I teach a Christian school, a lot of the kids are come through voucher programs. They're not Christian. They're hearing the word from us. Okay. Now, yes, their parents are okay with that compared to a secular, you know, state-sponsored school, but it's still the case, right? So a lot of them are watching TikTok. And they're getting inundated through TikTok. And so they're, 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 they're being initiated into the quote-unquote mysteries. So they're questioning everything around them, right? But they're not sitting here, you know, questioning, why do I exist? You know, is there a God? Does my life have a purpose? Instead, they're questioning everything in history is fake, including Jesus and God. The Bible's fake. And everything around them is fake because they didn't experience themselves in a short, you know, five second TikTok, you know. And so <laughs> it ends up being kind of like I said, like a hyper Hobbesian worldview and that nothing is real other than what you experience. And even then, you don't even know it's real. And that's where we're at. And that's sad because that's the first thing I did when I sat the kids down and I, I'd ask how many people believe in evolution, how many people believe in the Big Bang Theory? You know, how many people believe in creationism? And I would sit there and I would tell them that the Big Bang Theory and the belief that we came from literally nothing or evolution, that you're there through random happenstance, that you survive because of survival of the fittest, because of your parents and so forth and so on. And the world is entire chaos and, and it's dark and there's there's no, you know, God is the father of lights, right? There is no, you know, creator in the universe that has a purpose for everything, Okay. The kids, most of them feel like, and I think it's worse in our generation than I'm seeing, most of them sadly feel like they mean nothing. And since they mean nothing, 
nothing they experience is real and God isn't real. And, and you know, you kind of bring it down to its lowest form. And I think it's more now for Gen Z, at least that I see, than it's for any generation that I can think of in the past at least 100 or 200 years. I think probably for all existence that I know of, at least the modern existence is Jesus Christ, where a majority of them, because they're inundated through all this stuff, they're heavily hedonistic, very sadly, they're, and they're heavily you know, subjective. And it you know, goes on what you said, Drew. And, you know, when you sit down and you tell them that there's a God that created everything and there's a God that sent his son down here to die for you and you just have to have faith, you know, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that you can be saved and that your life has a purpose and God wants you to fulfill that purpose. Some of them just cry because they feel like they have no hope because the way the world, you know, indoctrinates them now and they feel like until someone preaches the gospel to them, and it sadly doesn't happen to every child, but it has happened to some that I've preached the gospel to in the two years I've been teaching. They, you know, until they fully get it, you know, they realize that, okay, you know, I, my life actually has purpose and I want to honor God and there's a reason why I exist. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking because the world is telling them that they are nothing. The world is telling them that there is no God ultimately. The, you know, and the world is telling them they live in a in a world of chaos, and and the only that they, they can only save themselves, but they they can't even. I mean, I we know it's all impossible. It's it's impossible to do that as Christians, but they can't. Like it's so contradictory in the world that they live in, right? And it's just, it's just, it's just sad. So I think the biggest thing is, I guess, and what I'm trying to say is, is a worldview that you only know the truth. What you experience is the only thing that's real or what matters. And even that, you can't even be sure that you experience anything at all. Setting kids so up not for only, failure. Absolutely failure. Oh, yeah. Not, not only can that, that your worldview is subjective, that that subjective worldview that you have might not even be real. Hmm. Well, it's an that's idea of learnt helplessness, yeah. isn't it? And the idea of... I, like it's nothingness, vic victimhood. I'm nothingness. Yes. So much to the point that they try to find meaning in their lives. And when there's someone who has nothing, is essentially a blank shell of a person, they are far more easily manipulated through propaganda, through messaging, through micro level TikToks, all these things that sway children's perception of reality. And, and they commit sin. Yeah, because it and, feels good to them, and that's all they know. Absolutely, and I think one that kind of stems out of this is the idea of gender theory. That if you do, if you don't mm -hmm. have any faith or understanding in yourself as who you are as a human being, you can recreate yourself in any image you want to, instead of the and, image that God's given yeah. you. That was exactly what I was thinking, Drew. Like exact on point, and and you see a lot of these people come in. Well, where I work because I work at the mental. Inst like it's a mental health facility and they come in and they're just so either they're cutters or they're trans or they're gay or they're this or that all these things and they're drinking a whole bunch and they're really addicted to stuff already and we're seeing this at like such a young age now and it's way more than we used to see, like total heroin addicts by the time they're 20, you know, because they've tried everything else 
and nothing's working and their arms still look like a cheese grater went and was on them and just everything in their life is that way. And I asked a girl last week, I said, why, why are you still doing that? Because you know, you know how damaging this is. And she said, because it's the only way I can feel. Mm-hmm. And wow. that is how they're feeling. And she came from a good family. She wasn't horribly abused. She didn't have, like, we have the whole history, you know, the history wasn't terrible. I've seen far worse, but it was one of the worst cases. And I was very kind and I cleaned her up and she came back 10, 15 minutes later and said, I snuck this in. Will you take this razor? And she had it in her shoe. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm glad I spent some time chatting with her because she trusted me enough to give it to me. And then she slept on the couch and she said, if if I can sleep out here where you are. And I said, go ahead. Absolutely. I'll get you a blanket. But she had been so treated so unkindly by medical staff, by everyone, because I'll tell you, a lot of the older nurses are like, well, she deserves it. Because when I cleaned up her wounds, they she said that she like braced herself. And I was like, why is she freaking out? We have this stuff that doesn't hurt at all. You know, it's kind of like Bactine, but like not painful at all. And she said, oh, the last nurse put something with alcohol in it because it really hurt. And I know what they do sometimes because they'll do that on purpose because they feel like they, well, she did it to herself. So I'm going to show her a lesson. Like you're going to really make somebody's worst day ever worse. She's already in here. Like, what are you doing? And if you have that kind of heart, maybe you shouldn't work here anymore. You know, there's a lot of nursing jobs, but this is how the kids are feeling. And she was 19 and it's not unusual. That's not like an unusual case. This happens a lot. It shows the extent of the problem. This is happening with a lot of what you would consider upper middle class, well-off families, kids that Mm -hmm. have had great opportunities than their parents ever had. They've got great for families around them, great communities. And for whatever reason, there's that, that selflessness of and hedonistic view of they've got to fill a void, a void that's missing. And to me personally, I think it's the, the, the void that God, that the, they don't have mm-hmm. Christ in their heart and yeah. they're trying to fill it with something on this earthly plane. And if and, you try and explain that it is Christ, they can't believe that because that's too easy. And they've made it really yeah, the difficult. Gospel's, the gospel's <laughs> yeah. too easy in their minds, which it's simple. Yeah. But to them, they're like, oh, I have to do all these works to be saved, mm-hmm. you know? which is baloney. And what are they? They're dirty rags. They're filthy yeah. rags. They're not even dirty. They're filthy. I, I had this argument a couple days ago with someone that was really like, well, you were Mormon. They were trying to recreate Mormonism. Drew popped in on it for a minute. But I was like, no, 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 this is all baloney. Like you, you've got to go back to the simplicity of Paul's letters. Like, what are you doing? Like, I, this isn't going to help you in your life. You know, it's really not. I mean, you can do it if you want to, but I'm just telling you, like, I did all the things. That's not where <laughs> I was trying to yeah. tell them, <laughs> but you can only go so far. But I still go to work all the time and pray like silently. We can pray for these people. Maybe I can't pray with them, with them, but if they ask me, I will break every rule. And I do. <laughs> and so someday I might get in trouble, but it is what it is, man. Like if I get fired for that, bring it like whatever they ask. If they ask, I will do it. So what about you, Christopher yeah. or Jason? What, where do you see the indoctrination being the biggest point? Is it something we've already covered that you could add to, or is it a different area entirely? 
Um, well, my first thought is, is far less, um, it seems far less, uh, dramatic is in, um, theological and profound is, is some of your answers. Uh, but Drew, a while back, I, I suggested a book called Crimes of the Educators by Alex Newman and uh, Samuel Blumenfield. Did you ever get a hold of that? I haven't as yet, no. Okay. Because anytime I go to talk about education, I'm always like, I don't know, am I right? Is Drew going to agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> Drew. <laughs> Drew, you're intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> but I I would say that one of the biggest issues that we have in in mainstream education would be teaching children to read via sight reading because Alex Newman and Samuel Blumenfield go through this and it's what it really does is it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it tricks the right brain to do a left brain function because both of the areas of the brain for language are in the left hemisphere. And when you're just looking at the shape and the design of the word, that is picked up by the artistic side of the brain, the right hemisphere. So you get this hemispheric dissonance and from the very onset of learning, there's this barrier between children and acquiring knowledge. And uh, they say that it can um, trigger ADHD and dyslexia and all these things because the brain is trying to protect itself from this damaging type of learning. And then nobody wants to learn after that. No, you know, learning isn't fun. You don't, it, it, it just damages your, the, the potential of acquiring new knowledge. So I, I would say that that's probably one of uh, the biggest issues that we see in our education system right now. Yeah, I agree. It's um, an approach that seems to go in waves, like the new fad of education, but we seem to always circle back to what really works. The idea that we all speak an oral language and then we're trying to apply it to a written script and learn the written script before we learn the sounds, it's just counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few approaches out there, Thrash Sounds Right, in which you learn the sounds first and then you associate the sounds with the the written representation later on once you've actually mastered the sounds. So it's turning ahead on what we were traditionally taught. You know, we all learnt through rote learning. We'd look at the A, we'd see the symbol, then we'd make the sound. It kind of turns it on its head and goes back to a more naturalistic way of that approach. Interesting. I haven't heard about that. That's fascinating. Yeah. Do you have, hey, do you have anything, core, Jason? <laughs> Once again, I'm going to strangle you, Christopher. <laughs> well, I didn't know because I actually had this thought, but I, I wanted to leave it open for you if you, if you wanted to dun, touch dun, a little dun. bit. No, go ahead. And this, this is less of something that the education system is doing, and it's probably not the job of the education system, but it's definitely a neglect that we see very much in America. Um, but would it be post-traumatic slavery syndrome? That if you look at trauma, wait, well, did I jump in too, too deep, Jason? <laughs> Go for it, man. Well, I'm, oh, I'm, boy. We're, we're talking about these Brace issues yourself. that happen Brace with yourself. children. B basically, it deals with the, the reality of trauma. And trauma is only ever resolved. <clears throat> it's, it's never resolved by ignoring it, right? Christopher, you're lucky that you have a red beard and possibly Irish slave ancestry to talk about this. Yes. Because <laughs> well, no, because I think there's 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 people in in both melanin fields, or melanin. you know th that are damaged by <laughs> this. Because if you if you I look like at that. how 
how people were were how the the melanin deficient or the melanin rich. <laughs> sorry, got me all mixed up in the game. Okay, all right, how, all right. As a size, Jason right, Stone Cold demeanor is as a size right teacher. Now. I have to say this now, okay? Unless you're okay. an albino, every human being on the face of the earth has the same amount of melanin. The difference in the pigmentation of the skin depends on the type, okay? The oh, various really? types of melanin, yes. Every single person on the face of the earth, unless you're albino, okay, mm-hmm. has the same amount of melanin. It just depends on the type of melanin. For example, I believe the red hair in your beard has to do with a greater amount of melanin, if I remember correctly. I thought it was a great uh, amount of nephilim, but... Yes, that's <laughs> what it is. Yeah, I get I, I, uh, female See, I get them confused. So, you melanin is more associated with a darker skin color. Female uh, is more uh, associated with red. So, it's the pigment and the amount of pigment that you have. But every single person has the same amount of melanin. It's just out, except unless you're albino. Albino just means you don't have any melanin. Um, and then, um, your your the only organs that are melanated are your skin is in your brain. Uh, and so as a science teacher, so what it teaches anatomy and physiology, I just have to make that known because there's a common misconception out there. Okay. So, I'm so. professionally nerding out here because there's two teachers for once and this is fun. <laughs> no one likes this because we're know-it-alls. So. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. I, I'm glad you took the time to, to correct us. We're, we have to rethink our whole strategy then and, and, and how to address that. All right. Just say the anyway. Nephilim. Yes, please keep going. <laughs> um, no, but we know that racism was a major issue and slavery was a major issue in America. Mm-hmm. And they're, and just because you did away with slavery or you integrated the schools, there doesn't seem to be any type of systematic remedy of the trauma that both sides would have suffered. Children watching their parents commit cr- uh, heinous acts against other human beings and then you you know having those acts committed on your family um and then all of a sudden we're supposed to pretend like everything's okay and oh well it, it doesn't exist anymore but none of the trauma is being addressed and i think that's really interesting it's and it's probably intentional i don't think it's that we we got to such a point and we were like oh well we forgot to to do that thing back then you know what I mean? Especially when you deal with the uh, Tavistock Institute and trauma-based mind control. It seems to be the way to handle people is to just compound trauma and and not ever deal with it. COVID. That's but, true, yeah. Yes. We see it in too. schools right now. We're seeing kids who were in the earliest year, so prep or year one of primary school or elementary school, as you guys call it, in the most fundamental years of education, they went through lockdowns. We're now seeing those same same kids present with trauma issues of PTSD. Mm-hmm. Something that you would associate with a car crash, a murder, witnessing family violence, things that you would deem to be highly, highly horrible things are coming out of these lockdowns now. We're seeing trauma yeah. in these kids. Yeah. And since, you know, less people are born again, there's less Christian households out there. People aren't clinging to truly who heals tra- trauma, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you're seeing it being magnified throughout culture. Um, you know, I mean, Chris is right in what he's saying. It plays on what, what Heidi is saying. I mean, 
from a psychological standpoint, usually cutters are borderline personality disorder. And we could argue whether or not there's a spiritual component to that as well through either demonic possession or demonization. Yeah. That's a whole nother discussion that some people I have seen. Of- I have seen that. That is real. Like <laughs> outside. Outside of, you know, if you say say that to any non-believer, they're going to look at you and be like, what is this, the 1700s? But as believers, we know that there's some, there's very much truth to that. Um, but, you know, you see someone with usually with borderline personality disorder, they tend to have um, some sort of trauma throughout their, their, their childhood somewhere, whether it came from their parents or someone else within their family, or maybe a sibling died or someone close to them died or uh, usually some sort of traumatic event where it doesn't completely fracture the personality that you see in multiple personality disorder, um, but it partially fractures it. So the person with borderline, they kind of don't like have a set personality. They kind of like look in the mirror and they're like, I know I'm one person, but I don't know who that one person is. Okay. And only Jesus is going to be able to rectify that person because they walk around with almost this abyss that only God can feel. And they try to, that's why, you know, the girl was like, I don't feel anything, but when I cut myself, I feel something because it's the ultimate kind of like Hobbesian thing of where I hurt myself, I feel pain. So therefore I'm alive because I feel pain. Uh, uh, and so only God, you know, only Jesus can fix that, you know. Um, and so, you know, it, it's sad because you're seeing a collective trauma to the world through, you know, if we are living in the end times, which I think we are, it's it's, it's showing up in, you know, massive rise of autism with the what the, you know, the elites have done from a physical standpoint with the food supply and the water supply and the vaccinations. But from a spiritual standpoint, there could be, you know, a reason uh, for autism as well, too. You could see it with, um, you know, various mental disorders, whether it's ADHD or kids developing borderline personality disorder. Um, you know, and it is very sad because obviously there are physical components to these issues, but there's also spiritual components to these issues too. And most of the world doesn't want to look at either or, right? They, you know, yeah. especially with you, you know, Heidi working in um, mental health, it's primarily a physical issue that can only be treated by medicine and sometimes counseling. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, holistic approach of, of diet, uh, lifestyle changes, supplementation medication if needed the right medication uh and then um, they have started doing a lot of emdr therapy which i'm pretty proud of at our place but i mean that's a big step because we haven't seen a whole lot else you know yeah controversial but but then you have like the like not necessarily EMDR uh, through eye desensitization, but you have a lot of the mental health capabilities of bracing new ageism, which it technically was kind of there with right. modern psychology through Reich and through uh, Young, but that's a whole other discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But um, but in, but the the thing that's mostly lacking is the biblical worldview of like a spiritual component of majority of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm not hyper spiritualizing it. Like the charismatics to say it's right. all demons. Okay. Because right. that runs an issue too. Just like if you run it from a, a primary secular where it's all just neurotransmitter neurochemical imbalances. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, it's there's a lot of things at play and some are physical and some are spiritual and you can argue maybe some are more spiritual some are more physical it depends on the person uh i would take it on an individual basis instead of at a whole but you know that that's seems to be going on right now uh with you know especially with our kids 
uh, you know, and the world is looking at it primarily from uh, government programs can do something about it. Psychiatry can do something in and of itself and uh, medicine. And those seem to be the avenues instead of ultimately uh, where all healing comes from, which is God. Anything you want to add, Jason, before we shift gears? No, I think you guys covered it. Nice. All right. No so- comments about the melanin? He's oh, I'll deal with that it. offline. <laughs> Christopher, run. <laughs> See if Christopher's motorbike start up in the background, he's gone. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right. To close out that topic, the constant bombardment children are receiving from all angles reflects the importance of being involved in a child's life, their education, and their interests. This brings to mind Deuteronomy 6-7. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. End of the day, it comes back to the household and what you do with your children. That's the greatest impact. All right. So we've spoke about child trafficking, the, the bombardment our children are under, all these things that it seems like there's a worldwide attack on kids at an all-time high. What's their goal? Why the children? Why are they doing this? How often do we hear the term, the children are our future? This has become easily a thrown away line, lacking the substance and understanding that makes it so true. Our children not only carry the names we gift them, our surnames, they carry a piece of us with them, our legacy, our love, our values, our morals that we teach them. When we're gone, our children carry on a small piece of us and through them and through the ages, an echo and an imprint, if you will. The greatest role for us as adults, parents, elders, community members is to pass down the baton for they will inherit the earth when we pass. This this spiritual side comes to them to ensure that we make sure that we gift them with the abilities to carry the heavy burdens of the spiritual war that we're all part of as humans, to make sure they can carry the weight of such important matters. Is there any other reason beyond this for why they target our youth? Is it simply that, that they're going after the youngsters while we're so they know we're going to be gone one day? Are they going after the next generation purely for that fact? Is there anything more to it? Um, I have a couple things. There was uh, Jesse. There's the lady that escaped the Mothers of Darkness, and she talked about the reason that children were used for sex magic rituals, having to do with their lack of mental fortitude. So they didn't have the ability to hold back or um, like restrain themselves from the experience um, and how that kind of um, it just left them open to experience whatever type of abuse to the the maximum degree. And that um, heightened the amount of um, magical power that they could express in the midst of these sexual practices. magic rituals so i think that's definitely uh one part of it that there's a a a spiritual gain but then i wanted i was kind of looking into it going like what is the what does the bible say and uh psalms 8 2 says out of the mouths of infants this is a scripture that gets misquoted all the time you know out of the mouth of babes but it actually says out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have established strength because of your adversaries that you may silence the enemy and make the revengeful cease. Now that's just one translation. But it's really interesting. I don't know how God would do this, but if there is some amount of of strength that the kingdom of light gains by infants and and nursing babes, 
then they come onto the scene as an asset to the spiritual war that we're fighting, right? Which then would put a target on them if if you're in the kingdom of darkness. Does that make sense? So I think there's a, a spiritual component is uh, there as well to inflict as much pain on these weapons that God is using. It reminds me, um, Vody Bauckham talks a lot about raising his children to be ballistic missiles for Christ. And it's almost the Shere Khan and Mowgli thing. <laughs> like the enemy is like, we have to get them as early as possible because we can't have these set up against us. Uh, so I, I think that's a part of it as well. I think that um, I can't remember who it was, if it was Zachary King or a different person, but they were talking about the currency that the elites or satanic cabal uses. And there were specifics on this and a uh, pure young boy, like a virgin young boy was the highest um, dollar. Then next is the girls that are pure and then next is the the kids that have maybe already been defiled, but still children, um, still a boy first, girl second, and then so on and so forth. Because to someone that has all the money, to someone that has all the things, to someone that has all the power, what is currency to them? None of the things that matter to us. They don't care. It's unfortunate that we have to know the dark side of this because of the fact that I do study the occult quite a bit. Um, I know this stuff and it, it it isn't something I want to know, but I feel like you, not everyone needs to know, but some of us need to know to try and uh, make sense of this. Because like you said before, like you're trying to explain certain things to Christians and they really can't contemplate or understand the acts of a psychopath, right? Because it, it, the only way I can tell anyone this is, and my mom especially, she's very, very um, feely person, okay? She's very empathetic and all of those things are wonderful. But also I tell her, like she would just say, like, why would they do this? And how could they do that? And, that, and I mean, I get it. But like, we also don't think about the ants in our house when we kill them. They have families, you know, the wasps outside that I deal with have families like they don't care about us like we don't care about the spiders that I'm terrified of. Right. <laughs> and so it's a deep, dark thing. But also the amount of we'll just say gold juice, because we'll just put it that way, that they can get from these people, <laughs> these children. Right. They, it can't come naturally and it can't come without terrifying them. Because there's a certain uh, chemical released at that point of terror that is different and more valuable as well. And so, you know, you go back to uh, blood rituals, you go back to blood sacrifice, everything in the blood is life and life is blood. And this matters. It even matters what type it is. It even they're after something and we can all say that this is crazy. You, you talk to a normal person about this. You're definitely sounding crazy, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we believe. It matters what they're doing. They're playing this wicked monopoly game that doesn't have the same kind of dollars we have. Right. And so mm -hmm. you have to understand as above, so below, and this stuff matters. And unfortunately the cost is insane. 
for most people like me or you or you guys, like it, we can't even fathom because we would not like, you can't even understand even a horrible act to an animal, let alone a horrible act. Even we're worried about how chickens are killed in the supermarket, like that they were fed right and happy before they died. People are like that worried about chickens, but they're not worried about this. Like, yeah. And, and you can't get them there either because they're too worried about their next frappe and whatever. So, and I'm not saying everyone, I'm just saying some people, I'm just saying like, not everyone's there, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say it mean, it just comes out that way. Cause we're talking about kids. I have six kids. So I'm a little sensitive about this, but that's how I feel anyway. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That was heavy. <laughs> uh. Jason, how about you? I think the, uh, the youth, I think the spiritual world has got a, a spotlight on youth and on children for a specific reason. I think part of that reason is the fact that because we're generational, because we die, the youth is where you get your, your realized gains from all of your efforts. Because if, you know, if you've got one generation that you're raising up, we're going to die off. But if you can take what you got in that generation and focus it in the next generation, you get like a force multiplier. And so I think it's constantly going to be on youth until Jesus comes back and, you know, resets everything. But with that, I think that the, the kingdom of God also has a focus on the youth too, which I think we overlook. I think we see this right there with Jesus talking to Peter. When he asked him, you know, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. But eventually he's like, you know, feed the lambs, which are the youth. Focus on raising up that prior, gen that next generation because so much of your efforts, you only got what, 60, 70 years on the planet? Of that, maybe 50 years of focused, committed effort, if that. And that would, that would be incredible if people were putting forth 50 years of that. You don't have a long window. It's a really small window that you can really affect that type of change. So focusing on the generation behind you is so important so that you get increased gains and you get that force multiplier effect happening. And I think the, the, the kingdom of darkness is aware of that. And they're also focusing on the youth to make sure that they get capitalized interest on their efforts so that they can, they can achieve what they need, which is they have to have a human being in line with, their goals because of the fact that God put mankind in charge of the earth. And in order to affect the change in heaven, you need to have a actual human being here who can claim the right to the, to the earth and actually give legal precedence to affect that change. And so you're constantly going to be focusing on people, but you need to be focusing on the younger generation for the force multiplier, as well as the fact that when you're younger, you don't have the level of cognitive capabilities to resist deception. So you become easy fodder. If you've already got the parents in that, you can multiply that that effect exponentially, right? And then it's too late. Once you've got 20, 30 years into a deception, it is much harder to take that person out of that deception at 30 years in than it is at three years in. So it would seem from a tactical perspective, focusing on youth is imperative. The problem is I don't think a lot of us as, as parents or as aunts, uncles, cousins, or whatever, I don't think we have that same view. I don't think we try to protect the youth as much as we should. 
I don't think we realize really how vulnerable and how precious they really are. In fact, here in the West, they're constantly looked at as a liability. You know, man, oh man, you got another mouth to feed, dude. What are you doing? You got to put a plug in that. Your pullout game is horrible. You know, we don't look at kids <laughs> as, as really being a huge blessing. No, that's cool. Uh, and I, I think it's mm-hmm. unfortunate because they are. You know, we have yep. so much that's being focused on <laughs> on getting rid of children. You know, we make it almost as easy as possible in the West. And then we wonder why our society is is falling apart because we're taking away the very building blocks of human society and human nature that we need in order to thrive as a society and as a species. And I think that's completely intentional and it's scary because I think until we actually get that focus as a, as a, as a species and as a community, we will constantly be vulnerable and leave ourselves open to that level of exploitation and then wonder why we're not seeing the gains that we should. And it's because we don't value really what we should value, which is our next generation. That's interesting because I hadn't I hadn't connected the like the forethought so much to the the importance of youth because, you know, we're doing the bloodlines of the Illuminati series that I think Mm -hmm. is starting this month. Um, But I was talking to my brother about it and he was like, who thinks like that? You know, when you when you're thinking generationally, like what? Where are my people going to be two or three generations from where I am now? He's like, who thinks like that? Well, I was like, well, well, clearly some <laughs> of these people do, you know, and he mm-hmm. talks about businesses typically think, you know, five, 10 years out, you know, they're not looking exactly what happens today. They're looking down the road. What are we going to do when this comes up? So many of us are just looking at like, we don't even have a five-year plan. Yeah. I've got maybe what I'm going to eat this week. And that's about it. And the idea I'm was, today. Well, what if? <laughs> yeah, I got what I'm right. eating today. So in, in this conversation with my brother, he was like, what if Christians really started to think like this? And I don't think that you can think forward like that and not take into consideration the importance of youth. Right. And where they're mm-hmm. going to be and what they're going to do and how you set them up to be more successful in the future. Good you have to stop being so myopic. We'd have to stop being so mm-hmm. narcissistic, so self-centered, which is huge to our culture. You know, we're highly individualistic. So an idea of another generation that's, that is dependent upon me that I got to raise up. Oh my gosh, this is starting to sound taxi. Hey, what's the benefit to <laughs> yeah. me? Right. Why would I want to invest all of that effort? And it, it, it displays a complete warping of our value system, in my opinion. Well, because we in really the last days we now. will. Yeah, because in the last days, we will all be our own gods, right? Exactly. Yeah. But it comes, the idea, comes the idea of, I'm not going to see the results, so why would I put in the effort? If I'm not right. going to be I here to just, enjoy it, why would I bother? I was just going to say, there's that mm-hmm. old saying or whatever, that true love is seen in a, in a man that plants a tree that will never sit under its shade or something like that. You know, that mm-hmm. he's really doing it for the next generation. Yeah, I think you're dead on. How about you, John? What 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 do you think the end goal on all of this is? Well, I'm thinking in my head. So I've been thinking about this for a while now, and I haven't completely flushed it out yet. So um, now hold me to this, okay? So um, 
God obviously knows whom's going to accept, you know, Jesus Christ as the Messiah and who's going to become born again, right? You know, our names are in the book of life, and then, you know, when we die and, and we don't accept um, uh, Jesus Christ as the Messiah, you know, we're not born again, our names are blotted out, okay? Just like the names will be blotted out of those who take the mark of the beast, for example, okay? So I thought about this for a while, and I still don't know exactly know where I land on it. I, I don't think that – obviously, I don't think that Satan knows exactly who is going to become born again because Satan is not omniscient, right? I mean, Satan doesn't know everything. Um, and Satan can only be in one place in one given time you know, also as well too. Um, and so um, you know, I think that um, you know, from a spiritual standpoint – um, Satan and his demons are going after, you know, the kids and the children very heavily and attempt to, you know, try to stop them from bec becoming born again. Right. But, you know, if you if you do become born again, you know, God will show you grace other than the grace that he shows us while was breathing on a daily basis. Right. But. You know, it, it is something that will eventually, you know, come to pass. Um, you know, it may not occur um, because of free will. I, you know, I'm I'm not Calvinist in <laughs> double predestination in that regard, but because of free will, you know, I, I think that it may not necessarily happen. Um, you know, per se, at the most ad advantageous point in someone's life for everyone. Okay, but it is something that will happen. So I do believe that through our own self, through our own wicked heart, and through Satan and his demons, um, it can be delayed until once a, until a person does become born again. Okay, and so you know, of course, you would start the earliest as possible if you were the enemy, right? In trying to delay that as long as possible for that to happen. And then once it happens, it depends whether you know you believe in eternal security or not. Even though I believe in a free will, I do believe in eternal security as well too. I don't believe a person can lose their salvation, but you know, it, again, if you could, again, it would it be try to demonize someone either through suffering, which God brings us through trials and suffering, ultimately to chastise us if we are born again, uh, and to grow our faith and to grow our obedience. But um, you know. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's something I've just been thinking about for a while. It's something I'm kind of just like word vomiting here right now, live on air. It's best to do it, right? But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of, I don't know when I, I know when I, I became born again, we're exactly where I was. But I thought when I was a child that, you know, I was raised as a Christian, I was raised as a Presbyterian. I thought I truly at one point really did love the Lord. And my dad preached the gospel to me, obviously, and had people around me and my family that did who were born again. But I kind of like walked away and became a Gnostic and then, you know, came back or became, you know, uh, which is how I look at it as I became born again later in my life. And I wasn't when I was a child. And you could be close to that point, but there's a lot, there's some people that get very close to becoming born again, but they, they just, they just don't, um, you know, and so what better for, you know, Satan who 
knows, I believe Satan does know that he will lose. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, but that's up for debate, you know, uh, but I, I, I do, I'm pretty sure on that. So it's my belief that Satan, you know, wants to, and you can, you can have the argument that Satan can't do anything unless God allows him to do it, that he doesn't have his own free will, um, or that he does to a certain degree, um, and that he's able to, you know, try to come against God to the best of his ability. You know, I think Satan's main priority through his own wickedness is to either do his best, for lack of a better words, to keep people from becoming born again or hinder and prolong the time as far as possible for that to occur. So what better to, you know, stick it to God as much as he possibly can by going after the youth, those who have the greatest potential uh, in that, you know, if they become born again earlier in their lives compared to somebody like me in their mid-30s, you know, imagine if that would have happened much sooner for me. You know, imagine how much I could have preached the gospel to people or I could have shown, you know, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, you know, through my actions. Right. You know, we all fall short. I fall short every day. I do my best to try to show Jesus, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit living within me, you know, uh, through my actions to hopefully glorify God. So um, so I, th I think that's where it, 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 it ends, ends up being is, is it does obviously look like that Satan and demons and even people themselves to their own wicked heart go after the youth. They want to corrupt what is innocent or what has a semblance of innocence. And in doing so, I think it is truly to, and again, you know, God wishes for none to perish, but for all to come to eternal life. I think, I think, you know, it is Satan trying to hurt God. And, that's the only thing he can do because he's not going to win. He's it's not going to become spite, God, then, isn't it? It's almost spite, John. Yes, he it's knows anger. he's going to lose, so he has to do everything he can to take as many as he can with him. And that being the youth, the the children of God, that is like his ultimate slap in the face. That I'm taking your most precious, innocent ones away from you as early as I possibly can, so that they'll never find the path. Yes, yeah. I I would look at it that way. Yes, and I'm not. Uh, completely 100% sold on this ticket. So don't say that, you know, John completely holds this worldview. Okay. But it's something that I think of and I do think of it. It is scriptural. Um, you know, I'd have Calvinist friends that may disagree with some of the wording that I use, the terminology that I use. Uh, but I think the framework is biblically there. Um, uh, you know, that I mean, we have to think, you know, why does, you know, why does Satan exist? Why does God, you know, al allow Satan to exist? you know, what is Satan's purpose, um, you know, and, and, you know, those questions that really, in the end of the day, outside of what is in scripture, we won't really fully know the answer, I believe, until we should have been like a lot of, you know, you know, we have, you know, scriptural understanding, obviously, of why these things occur, but to fully wrap our, you know, God's ways are not our ways. For us to right. fully wrap our, you know, our, our 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 minds around the structure of the universe and the structure of how things are and the and how God is completely, we we just have the incapability to do so. Well, uh, you know, not that so it is not questions. perfectly in God's words, it is, <laughs> but we just can't comprehend it. 
uh, you know, and maybe one, you know, one day I do believe that we will, uh, you know, um, and so, you know, it's just things that I think about from time to time, you know. However, John, I think you're, I think you're wrong about your timing because if you hadn't been an Gnostic, like I hadn't been a Mormon, you wouldn't know the things you know to help more. That is true. I do think that sometimes, Heidi. No, no, no. I I do agree with you on that. That God allowed me to go through that. So I I mean, my main ministry is to witness to Gnostics and New Agers. So there is a possibility that God allowed me. Yes, to go through that, special. to be able to do that. So there, is, I do think about that from time to time too. And that's that's another perspective to this: is do we go through the things that we do that God allows us? Like for example, yes, the children, um, they are affected by you know demons and by Satan. But again, do they go through those trials and tribulations? God knowing that they will, you know, become born again for those you know testimonies to be used to preach the gospel to other people. You know, I think it made you more of a force to be reckoned with, to be honest, because one person throughout their life could maybe touch like one person a year or something small, like when you were in your youth. But when you have something with the backing like that, that can touch thousands. Like that's a whole different I, level. I, I, I guess maybe I, I, I don't know. I mean, Maybe, but that's for all of us here. You know, we really, right. I mean, yeah, we all hear people that, you know, we've all been through, different they'll struggles. say, you know, yeah. I, because you preach the gospel, I became born again. And I'm like, oh, glory to God. It was nothing I did, uh, you know, right. Um, and it's so, you know, but, but I, I, I go back and forth that, you know, maybe they're again, like, it depends on how much agency does Satan have? Like, how much is he the accuser? But how, you know, how, like, Right. How much I, people people often hit me with how much like, power does Satan have? You know, like the Nephilim, the angels. I, the I think we just touched like, on the next topic for the yeah. next episode. How much power yeah. and control does Satan <laughs> actually have? That's a and, whole conversation. I love it. And it on is. top of now, that, why did the angels in heaven have free agency and when did they get it to fall? Did they only receive it after man was created? So then God had to make it even Stephen? Because why would he create something that has free agency here, but not so much up there? But then all of a sudden they did. And and it, it becomes like a dilemma. Somebody hit me with that question this week. And I was like, ooh, I don't know. So that's one for you guys to help me with, because I, I don't know. <laughs> like... He, if he knows everything that's going to happen before, then why would he create a new thing to upset the old thing, right? And yes. I've noted it down for next month's episode. <laughs> this always <laughs> happens. We get to the end of a show and we I'm bring sorry. up a topic that ends up being the, the focus for the next show. I love it. <laughs> I do have a couple of things to say. Just on that topic, um, I don't want anybody to listen to this without us answering it and think that God actually intended right. for them to suffer or once bad oh, things yes. to happen to them. No, but no. that specific scripture that says it's not all things happen for a reason, but it's that God uses all things for the good. That's true. Yes. Yes. So yes. I, I think that's an important distinction. And one thing that's kind of been bugging me all episode, and John, if you don't want to answer it, it's fine. But we we get the question all the time, how in the world could a loving God allow, you know, good things or bad things to happen to good people, specifically the children? So it's fascinating to me that you said you began your research 
looking into like human trafficking and these things where children are being victimized before you were saved and in the midst of researching all of this stuff realize the truth of Jesus Christ if you could just give us I know we're kind of at the end here but just um explain that a little bit cuz some people out there I think it's blowing their minds how that's even possible well i mean yeah i mean i myself lost a child um, you know, who, who, who was sick, who was born with an extremely rare medical condition, six in the world with a congenital myopathy with excess muscle spindles. And they didn't even have a, they didn't even name it after the doctor that discovered like there's, you know, six children in the world when time he was born with his condition. Okay. And I was a Nazi new yeah. ager at that time. All right. And so like, you know, some people, I have atheists, you know, say to me is, is you know, like your son died before the age of, of three. You know, how could a loving God allow him to be born, you know, physically handicapped like he was and then, you know, you know, later, you know, tragically die because of, you know, errors of the medical establishment. And I would say, mm -hmm. well, my son's in heaven, first of all. So, you know, like, you know, like David, you know, I mean, like the, you know, I, I no longer, you know, what am, what, you know, what am I supposed to be angry, being angry at God? Like, that's not going to solve anything. You know, I, I, I have hope that I will see him one day, um, you know? And so, I mean, it's like evil, evil existed. I guess the, if we're answering, you know, the, 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 the philosophical question, why does, and I guess the most important spiritual question is too, is why does evil exist? Um, majority of the evil in the world is because of man's wicked heart and has been that way since the fall of man. Um, and so, I, I mean, a lot of it is the evil. Again, this, this is more of to the, you know, when you guys do the episode next month, if hopefully I, if I, if I can be here, if you guys want me here is, is that, is that question is, is like, you know, a, a lot of evil in the world is because humans make that evil occur, uh, you know? And then, mm -hmm. um, yes, obviously Satan, you know, you know, tempts man and there's, there's evil that comes from that too, as well. And demons, I'm not, you know, completely discounting Satan's in, in, in the demonic role and evil as well too. I am not, but you know, again, like you mentioned, Christopher and I agree is whatever evil action that men do or Satan or the demons, God will take that evil action and the greatest good that can come of it will be done. And it's very hard for people to wrap their minds around that because I honestly believe for my son, for example, his life touched so many people. His death touched so many people. And it was that event of his death which eventually played a role in me becoming born again. Um, because, I mean, I'll confess this. I had a friend growing up in high school who was a Jehovah's Witness who was mind-controlled into believing by the Jehovah's Witness cult in the South, and he was ritually abused and everything like that, that he uh, was the Maitreya. And there was a lot of theosophy involved with it, too, as well, through Asheville and everything. And through my own Kundalini psychosis, I thought he was, too. And I thought he was going to heal my son. And I do believe, just like David was punished for his sin with Bathsheba, that I lost one of the reasons why I lost my son was because of that sin. Now, I can't prove that. 
I could be wrong in that aspect. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I did have Christians, you know, at that time who, you know, they would say it's because I didn't attend church. And I, I don't necessarily, I don't think that to be true. Okay. Right. But I do believe it is possible. It is possible, though, through my own sin, because sin has consequences that that could have played a role spiritually. Now, I know a lot of atheists okay. would bulk at that. They may get upset at that. You know, they may. And I could be wrong. I, I When I go to heaven, you know, God could be like, you're completely wrong about that. And I understand that. But I would say, ultimately, God did take that experience and use it for his will, which is perfect, okay? Whether it was through my own sinful actions, you know, for example, I didn't stick up. It's a whole story, but I didn't stick up against the medical establishment in defense of my son, okay? So that contributed to his death, okay, from a physical standpoint, all right? And so, you know, through that tragic loss, I, you know, it did eventually was one of the mechanisms that God used for me to become born again. And I understand for a lot of people that could be very tough to wrap their heads around, but Mm -hmm. God has used tragic things like people getting abortions and through that loss and through that tragedy, which breaks a lot of people as horrible as it is, they come to Christ through that loss. Okay. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's tough. I I mean I don't have an uh, I have the biblical answer which I believe in the reason why evil exists, right? Mm-hmm. But again, for us to wrap our heads around that fully, it's a very difficult thing to do. Um, you know, right. I mean it's it's not an easy subject to even talk about because most people get very emotional about it. Most people you get pulls them immediately out of logic into an emotional state. And they mm-hmm. want to blame God for every evil thing that's ever happened in their life. When, yes, you know, there is judgment that does come from God. Um, but, you know, God is long-suffering. And he wishes for none for perish to, for none to perish for fraud to come to eternal life. And majority of the problems that people have in their lives is because of things that they have done in sin. And their consequences of their own sinful actions. So hopefully that makes sense. No, it makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I know that probably wasn't super easy, but I appreciate Thank that. Thank you for sharing. I know somebody out there yeah. needed to hear it. Thank you for sharing that, Ho- man. That's Hopefully it wasn't rambling. Experience. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I haven't, <laughs> no. you know, co- completely, you know, um, haven't completely, you know, thought it completely through, but that's where, you know, I do stand on it. And, and I will I, say this, no matter what, tragedy a person has gone through you know as a new ager i used to believe i guess one final thing and mormons do have a common belief in Mm -hmm. this in pre-existence and that a new ager would believe that you sign up for whatever tragedy that you go to before you before you you know come into this plane of existence which is a very selfish and very horrible thing to look at because you end up discounting someone's suffering very much similar to how Buddhists and more Hindus and like the caste system, right? Like you don't want to alleviate someone's suffering because you're piling up their karmic debt further. Okay. So for pre-existence, it's like, well, this person got raped 
and they agreed to their rapist that that action would occur so that they would learn something and they would go through that trauma. And just the evil worldview of pre-existence as a new ager, instead of believing that, you know, that not necessarily like you said that everything has a, a purpose of a reason why it happens, but that God will take from whatever tragedy or suffering that is from an example and, and, and apply it to his perfect will. There's hope in that. There's not hope in mm-hmm. preexistence. There's not hope in karma. Right. So hope in that. Yeah. I do it's, want to mention to you Job's story about his children. You know that he lost all his children all at once. And he they were under a building canopy and it collapsed on all of them. And we all know that Job was really pretty good and he, and he completely tried to devote his life to God like he he did have these struggles come because of the whole back and forth between God and Satan but I don't think it came due to a sin that he lost all of his children on that day and Oh God it doesn't did, always know. No, put it to use and I've lost a child in a different way. She's not dead but she's definitely not not with me. Um, because of estrangement, but I understand. And the same thing happened to me, like my whole life changed afterward. So I do think you're right. It can all come. Personal growth can come huge with your relationship with the Lord after the fact, for sure. It, and I'm it's glad. nuanced, like not all horrible circumstances are because we're right. in chastisement or because of sin, but some of them are, you know, David mm-hmm. lost his child directly because of sin of Bathsheba. That is scriptural. Right. So there are right. some, again, sin has consequences. Um, mm-hmm. And some of them are divine judgments from God. But it isn't always, we can't, uh, we can't, like when someone, we see someone suffering, especially a believer, we can't always attribute it because they're being chastised per se. And we can't always attribute it because they're in sin. Because mm-hmm. in doing so, we've right. become Job's friends. Right. And I think that for some people, it just happens because it will be the catalyst to change your life and and not that it happens on purpose. Right. Like it just is part of whatever's happening. Um, But I'm just saying to you that internalizing that I get where you're coming from there, but also it may not be. And maybe there's some hope in that message for you as well. Oh, very much so. And for anybody listening to as well, it's a very nuanced approach and we really truly won't know because we tr- we don't know obviously we're not we in either and so we don't mm-hmm. know um so for christians to say that everything is because someone's sinful actions and sinful heart that's not necessarily true either for it to say yeah. that we go through trials and tribulations ourselves because we're being chastised constantly by God as believers isn't necessarily true though. I will say that obviously God does chastise whom he loves and there is growth that comes out of the suffering that we have. And some of it can't be just our own circumstances that we keep putting ourselves into as well too. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and so it's very, it's very nuanced. And we, again, every situation we're not going to know the answer to. So we shouldn't make assumptions, especially to other Christians, unless we know things for sure. Mm -hmm. For example, if someone's committing adultery, yeah, the problems that stem from that probably is, you know, God's chastisement if they're a true believer, if they're they're unrepenting, leading to repentance, or because of their own sinful actions leading to consequences of their sin, you know. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. It's a tough discussion. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's, It's 
like you said, it's incredibly nuanced and there's so many factors that come into play as to, is it God's influence? Is the influence of the wicked hearts of man? All these things culminate into events of the world that we live in. Despite how the serious these conversations have been and how dark they have, have gone in certain routes, this has been a fantastic conversation. John, you are by all means welcome back on the show whenever you want. You're a member of this coalition now. You're a part of this little online group and church we have going. Would you like to close the show out with a prayer, sir? Yes, of course. Um, God the Father, we humbly uh, come before you, and uh, we thank you for every blessing uh, that you do for us in our life, as well as every trial and tribulation that you give us as well, too, uh, that ultimately it is to uh, grow our faith and grow our trust in you, especially that we are definitely going to need it uh, if we are entering into the end times, or we currently are into the end times, into the tribulation um, that we, uh, you know, put our full trust in you, uh, God, and we want to thank you very much for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross and through our faith in that sacrifice, that we are granted eternal life. Um, and we thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord, and we love you very much. I ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. See you, everyone. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> Thank you.